One of the biggest mistakes I think that you can make in your law practice is undercharging for your services. In other words, not properly valuing the value you're providing to your clients. And it's not just an issue of you making less money, although that is part of it. When you undercharge, you are actually doing a disservice to yourself and your clients. Yep, to your clients as well. In this episode, I talk about the two main reasons why I think lawyers undercharge and some reasons why you should actually look at increasing your prices rather than reducing them for your clients. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Miller, and this podcast will help you transform your law practice through deliberate design, core business competency, mental mastery, and powerful positioning so that you can have a practice that gives you the life you want, not a life that is the mercy of your practice. If you want to stop struggling, spend more time with your family, live a life of abundance, and make a difference in the lives of your clients, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the New Modern Lawyer Podcast. Undercharging. If you were like many sole small firm lawyers, you probably undercharge for your services to your clients. Now, I'm not talking about the occasional discount here or there or, you know, a a matter maybe or a case that you take a loss on. But I'm talking about the systematic undercharging of clients across the board. When I was a young lawyer out of law school, I was very guilty of this. I undercharged everybody. Um, When I started, I had um, an hourly rate. I charged hourly. Um, and I know, looking back in hindsight, obviously, but I know that I undercharged for the value of those services back then. And even when I switched to flat fees, and this was, again, probably over 10 plus years ago, when I switched to flat fees and stopped doing hourly fees, hourly rates, I still undercharge clients on a regular basis. And there's, there's two, I think, two reasons why we as lawyers tend to undercharge. Uh, the first one is that we're just worried that if we uh, quote too high, that the, you know, on a flat fee or even, I guess, on, a, uh, on an estimate of an hourly fee. But if we, if we charge too much, if we tell the client number that this too high, that they're not going to hire us that we're not going to get the business because they think that we're charge that we're overcharging instead. So, to make up for that, to compensate for that, we actually charge less than what we should charge and less than what the client would even willing to pay uh, because of our fears. And again, I know that when I was a young lawyer, this was a big part of of you know, my problem is that I wanted clients obviously to hire me. I was new, um, I didn't have a lot of referral uh, partners yet, people to give me client to give me a work. I'd have a lot of clients experience wise, and so um, for me, I needed money. And the uh, you know the way to make money is to have clients and to do work. And so I would say you know or give a fee that was lower than what it should have been. Again, in hindsight, what it should have been, because I wanted to make sure that the client would actually hire me. And the corollary for this, for those of you who do an hourly billing, is going and reducing 
the rate or reducing the, the fee at the end, you know, giving some sort of a discount because you're afraid that when the client sees the bill that they're going to think it's too high and they're going to be angry and upset. And rather than have to deal with an angry, upset client, you know, rather than facing that and having to explain or feeling you need to justify your fees in some way to them, you instead lower the fee to something that you think is more reasonable that they will accept. Even though that's completely subjective, I mean, you have no way of knowing for certain what they find is fair and what they think is going to be fair. Um, but you nevertheless feel that you need to reduce the price in some, some capacity to satisfy or to make sure that the client remains happy. So that's one reason. The other reason I think that a lot of lawyers that we undercharge is because we're not confident in the value of the services we provide. Again, looking back to when I was a new lawyer, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, out of law school, they don't really teach you how to practice law in law school. And so I felt, you know, I was basically making it up as I went along. So you can understand, you can imagine why I would undercharge, why I would price my services too low, because I didn't know what I should be doing. I, I wasn't confident in my services that I was uh, providing, and I didn't feel that I could charge as much as a more experienced lawyer because I just didn't have the experience. I didn't have the the knowledge of doing the kind of work and the, and the, uh, the kind of cases and helping the clients. And so because of that, I tended to undervalue what I was providing, and that was reflected in the prices I quoted. Um, you know, so tie that along with the fear of client rejection, of, of not hiring in the first place, putting those two together, and notoriously undercharged for the longest of time in my legal practice. I'm sure you can think off the top of your head why this is bad for you as a lawyer. You know, obviously, there's a lot of money there on the table you're leaving that you really should be getting. You know, because of the value of the work that you're doing, and you know that's money that could go to help pay your bills, could help uh, you know take your family on a vacation or pay your staff or anything like that. Um, and that's money that's not in your pocket that you're not asking for that you're not getting for the client. But it's also undercharging is also bad for your clients, and that may seem a little contradictory at first. You know, why would the client, why would it be bad for them that you charge higher prices or that you charge lower prices? Wouldn't they want to pay less? Well, let's go through and we'll talk about today um, why uh, having a low rate is not necessarily the bad thing. Uh, excuse me, why having a low rate is not necessarily a good thing and why it actually is better for you and your client to raise your rates and have higher rates and fees for your work. So the first reason is that when you charge more clients more money, when clients are paying more money for their legal services, they have more skin in the game. You know, it is now a bigger investment for them. If they're putting $1,000 into the matter, that's a lot smaller of an investment than if they're paying $10,000 for a matter. And we know that people take care of things that they have put more money that they've invested in, the things that are more expensive to them. Take, for instance, your car. Now, I'm sure that you, maybe you've done it yourself, or you at least you know can picture the person with the fancy bright red sports car. And every Saturday morning, they're out in their driveway washing that car. 
they are scrubbing the the wheels. They're making sure that the that the uh, all the dirt is off the tires. They are putting a fresh coat of wax on. You know, making sure that their paint job is perfect. You know, once they're done, their car just kind of glistens in the sun. And and again, you know, I'm sure that may be you. And again, and that may be somebody that you can picture, something you've heard about. You know, um, you know, a stereotype maybe, if it were. But compare that then to the person who maybe owns a used minivan or a minivan that they, you know, haul the kids around in. You know, they probably don't regularly wash it. You know, they probably don't run it through the car wash uh, every Saturday morning. They probably don't take the time to buff out all the scratches and all the imperfections every day or every Saturday, you know, and do waxing and really go through and detailing their car, you know, you know, and part of the difference is that the sports car is, is a bigger investment generally for them. You know, you're probably paying 50 plus, you know, hundred thousand, who knows what money for this car versus the minivan, which is more utilitarian, which is probably cost less. Um, it's less of an investment when it comes to, to something like that. And so, Again, maybe this is not the perfect of, of examples, and there could be other reasons why you would, um, you know, value your sports car over the minivan. But the point is, is that when you value something higher, um, when it's more of an investment to you that way, you're going to take better care of it. Okay. Um, another example, maybe a better example, is if you have some really fancy, expensive jewelry, you probably have that put away someplace. Maybe you have it in a safe. Maybe you have it in a safe deposit box if it's really expensive and you don't wear it very often. Maybe a piece of costume jewelry that you have. you know, Or at very least, you probably have it someplace safe in a drawer somewhere. Now, now compare that to you know, a, a $20 pair, dollar pair of earrings maybe you picked up or you know, a, a cheap necklace. You know, there's not a lot of investment in that. It's a very low price. And so you probably you know, maybe have it organized in a jewelry box. Maybe you just have it sitting on your counter. I know my wife oftentimes will just have some of her uh, cheaper jewelry just kind of sitting out um, on the counters and, and on the dressers and places like that, you know. And so the things that we value more, in this case, the expensive, you know, diamonds and, and costumes or everything like that, things you value more, you take better care of. And that's the same thing that happens when it comes to legal services. You care more, you think more, you are more invested in the outcome if you pay more money. You know, you appreciate what happens to something and you appreciate the actual object or the service more when you pay more for it. And that's the same thing your clients do is they actually will appreciate what you do more, the services you provide more, and the results they get when they have a bigger investment in it versus a smaller, a cheaper one. Okay. So the second then, um, kind of along the same line of that, is that clients, when they pay more money, they feel they're, gonna get, they're getting greater value from the services. Now, most clients have no way of knowing how to value your services. You know, they, they know what you tell them, what the price is, maybe. Um, but it's not like they can go um, online and very easily find and compare prices for services, for, for legal services. Um, you know, there's not really a market 
out there for it to do that. Um, and it's really difficult to, pre- to compare the service of one lawyer versus the other um, or a lawyer versus uh, uh, an alternative legal per- service provider um, because every situation is different. Every client has different issues and different um, aspects that are going to influence the value and the outcome of that of that uh, matter. So clients don't really know what how to do that. You know, is this case worth five thousand dollars? Is it worth twenty five thousand dollars? Is it worth seven hundred and fifty dollars? They just don't know. And so when people don't know how to value something, they look for clues. And one of the clues that that they look at is the price. You know, price is often seen as an indicator of the value of something. You know, the higher the price uh, of a product or a service, generally the higher the value or the higher, you know, maybe whether it's actual value or at least the, the, um, the, 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 the feeling of value, it seems like to the person that the higher priced product service, whatnot is more valuable than the lower price. All right, let's go back to the cars. There's an example of cars. So think about the price of a Mercedes, um, you know, one of the one of the top of the line Mercedes. You know, you're paying easily eighty, ninety thousand dollars for for cars. You know, or more. You know, compare that to a a Honda. You know, not think there's anything wrong with a Honda, but Honda is priced significantly lower than a Mercedes. You know, now both of these are vehicles. Both of them can get you from point A to point B. But the Mercedes is priced significantly higher than the Honda. And so the perception that many people have is that because the Mercedes is priced higher, that it must be higher value. It must be of higher quality, of higher build, um, you know, compared to the Honda, which is priced less. So the Honda must not, maybe it's not as high of quality of products or as finishes or or whatever it might be. Um but people look at it and say the Honda, Honda versus Mercedes, Mercedes, the price is higher, higher value there. Another example is when I go to the grocery store, one of the things that I like to get is chocolate milk. Um, I have uh, stopped or are significantly reduced my consumption of soda. And in exchange, I've been drinking chocolate milk instead, um, which is, well, not maybe the perfect ideal drink is still considerably healthier than, than, than soda. Right. So when you go and look at the brands of, of chocolate milk in the grocery store, oftentimes there's going to be a store brand of chocolate milk and there's going to be some name brand chocolate milk. Both of them, the containers will be the same size. Uh, The only, you know, but the prices will be different. Uh, It could be as much as a dollar or two different, you know, between the name brand and the store brand chocolate milk. What is the difference between the two? Well, I mean, if you look at the label, it contains milk and chocolate, you know, so cocoa powders, probably some sugars, things like that in there. And by and large, the ingredients of the name brand and the store brand milk are the same. There's really no significant um, 
perceptible difference in the in the in the milk. I mean, I've had both the name brand and the store brand, and frankly, I can't really tell the difference from the taste standpoint. They pretty much taste the same to me, right? So, how do you know which is higher value? Are you getting greater value from the chocolate milk that is in a name brand container or the one that's the store brand? Well, like I said, you look at the price and there can be sometimes a dollar or two or more uh, difference in prices. And so the perception is that if you didn't know any different and all you had to look at is the jug of name brand milk and the store brand chocolate milk next to each other, all you had, you know, and you looked at the price, that's what you'd have to base your valuation on of which is this is higher value. And based on the price, you probably would say, well, this name brand milk must be of higher value, must be a higher quality than the store brand because of the price, right? And I'm sure you've seen this many times examples in your life. You probably felt it yourself and, and done this yourself. When we don't have any way to compare something, you know, two things together, we look at the price. And so if you are charging your clients a higher price than what the person down the street is, one of the conclusions that they can come to is that the value of your services is more than the value of the services of the person down the street. You know, even though that may be very similar services, you know, maybe you're both representing them in a traffic ticket. You know, the same sort of a situation, the same court, the same judge, the same people, everything else. The prices can be the distinguishing uh, differentiation between what they see as a high value service and maybe what's not. And so if you want to be seen as a higher value service, you want to charge more. And when you do that, clients will then feel that when they've invested, when they buy that, that they're buying a higher quality service. Okay. Again, it's just like if they buy that chocolate milk with a name brand, even though it may be a little more expensive, there's a feeling inside that, you know what, this must be better quality milk that I'm getting because it's a higher price, right? Even though it may not be, we don't have any way of knowing. Same thing with your legal services. All right. For you, when you charge higher prices, you are, you, you tend to be more committed to your work. What I mean by that. So early in my legal career, I would allow clients to expand the scope of the work that I did for them. So they would come to me and say, okay, here is my situation. And I would say, okay, based on what you've told me, here is the fee for that, for my services. You know, and let's say that they're looking to set up a, a new business entity. You know, they're starting up a new business. And I said, all right, great. Here is the fee. It's going to be, I don't know, let's say a thousand bucks for for that. And they said, okay, great. And then I'd get working on it and we'd move through. And then at some point, something would come up and they'd say, hey, I know you're working on these this agreement for me, this document to help me get my company set up here. Um, I'm thinking about bringing on a partner, a business partner. And I want to give this business partner, you know, part of the, the, the interest in the business, part of ownership in the business. And so I'm going to need some sort of an agreement in place for that. You can do that, right? Oh, of course I can do that. 
you know, and so I would end up doing that, which was not something that I contemplated at the beginning when I initially quoted them and gave them the price. And definitely, you know, and something that I would then not go back and say, hey, you now want me something different or something in addition, so I'm going to charge you more, you know. Back then, I didn't have the confidence to be able to do that, and so I would say, sure, do that, and it would all just get brought into the scope of what I'd done previously. And if you're new as a lawyer, even if you're not new as a lawyer, you probably have had this happen before where where you know you find out that the work that you agreed to do uh, ends up expanding as things go along, but the price, unfortunately, doesn't expand along with it. It stays the same. So I did that a lot when I was... Um, a newer lawyer. And obviously you realize this, you know, you start to realize after a while that, Hey, I'm doing more work for this client than what I agreed to initially. And they're not really paying a lot for it. You know, they're, they're getting more for, for, for me than what I'm getting from them. And you start to, you know, when you have cases like that, you almost start to separate those from the rest of your the cases, the matters you're working on. So you have all the cases, all the matters that are your full price matters. Those who, where, you know, you're doing just what you thought it and you thought you were and the price is based on that. And then you have these other cases where you feel like you're doing more work than what you've charged. So you, this is where you kind of feel like you've undercharged your clients. And you've got these two different levels of, of, of cases. And sometimes, and I know I was I would find myself in a situation, you're doing you've got some of each going on at once. The problem with this, when you have two different tiers of of work of matters like this, is that there's gonna be kind of a time where one client and one tier need something tomorrow, quickly, whatever, and a client, a matter from the other tier is going to need something tomorrow, later today, very quickly. And you're going to have these two matters that both are urgent. They both need work done, something to happen on them. And you're going to have to figure out, you're going to prioritize your work. What do I do first? And it is human nature that if you presented with this situation where you have a tier one matter where you're getting paid what you should or versus a tier two matter where you're getting where you're undercharging where you're paying getting paid less than what you feel you should human nature says that when you have the two together when you're deciding which one do i prioritize you're going to prioritize tier one the matters that you feel that you're getting paid appropriately for and so that happens when the clients are coming to you and so the more work that starts coming in of this first tier of this uh, this higher level work where you're getting paid what you feel like you should be, the more of that comes in, it starts to push and push off this lower undercharged tier two work because it's you're not getting paid as much. So you've, you feel kind of less incentive and it's not necessarily a con- conscious thing that you're doing. You're not saying I'm getting paid less on this matter or I'm feeling that the value I'm getting is less. The money I'm getting is, is low or I'm undercharging, I should say, for this work. I'm going to 
do this other work first. No, you, you, well, you might, but generally this happens at a subconscious level. You don't even consider it. You just, when you're deciding which one to do, you look at the two matters and say, okay, let me work on this one. And, and it's the higher value work, right? And so you've got this two classes of work, which might be great for those tier one, but the tier two work, it, it tends to suffer. You know, you are not meeting, maybe meeting the deadlines. Maybe you're making some promises and you have to keep on pushing off because you're not getting to things as quickly. Uh, the, the client experience is probably going to be less um, because you're not as receptive. You don't have things done as quickly. And at the end of the day, you might actually get a less favorable result for that client just because it's not as big of a priority to work on this matter. So you're not putting the time and the thought and everything else as this other one. And again, you know, as lawyers, we like to think that, you know, and treat every matter as just as important as the next. And consciously, that's the case for most of the time. But these are things that happen subconsciously that you don't even realize are happening. And so how you avoid that happening in the first place is making sure that you don't have those two different tiers, making sure that everybody is charged on the same level playing field. And so you don't feeling that some char clients are getting charged appropriately. Some are undercharged and have to make that distinction. Okay. Whew. Take a breath. Fourth, I think we're on fourth here. Fourth reason why you want to probably raise your rate to make sure that you're not undercharging is that when you charge higher prices, you don't need to work as much to make the same amount of money, right? So if you charge $1,500 for a type of matter, it will take you four of those matters to get to $6,000. Push that math, that's right. Yeah, $6,000, four of those. Versus if you charge $2,000 for that same type of work, so instead of the fifteen hundred, you're now charging two thousand. You will need to do three of those same type of matters to hit that same six thousand dollars. So now you have the same amount of money, but with less work, with less matters. Or if you do the same amount of matters, so if you do four for both, now you either have six thousand dollars if you're charging fifteen hundred per matter. Or you now have $8,000 if you charge $2,000 per matter. And the difference just ramps up exponentially from there. You know, the more you do at that rate, you know, the, 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 the bigger the difference, the more money that you're making by charging just $500 more. Something as simple as $500 more can make that significant of a difference. You can be so that's you know a direct increase of profits, and you can increase your you know if you're looking at your your financials. And I know a lot of times lawyers and and business owners say, you know what, I need to be more profitable, or we're looking for ways to make the business, the law firm, more profitable. Well, there's there's a couple of ways you can do that. One is more clients, you know, more work. Um, another way to make your more profitable is to cut expenses. So you look and see what you're spending money on, overhead, staff, rent, utilities, all those other things, and you cut some of that, you know, reduce those those numbers. The other way, and the, probably the easiest way to do this, though, to increase your profits is to raise your rates. 
So again, by that example, just by raising your rates $500 for a matter, you are making an extra $2,000 for every four of these you're doing. Every four of these matters you do, you're making $2,000 more. So that's a direct, you know, or again, $500 an additional profit for the same amount of work as you would for this for the for the case. So an easy way to make more money in your law practice, raise your rates. Doesn't even have to be a t- by a lot. It just be something small like that, but that can be enough to make a difference. The other side of that is that instead of thinking about how much more money you could be making, maybe you look at this and says say, you know what, I want to make six grand this week, this month, whatnot. And so I can either charge $1,500 and have to do four cases at that rate, or I can charge $2,000 and only have to do three. So now I've got extra time in here where I'm only doing three versus four matters. So what are those things I can do with that extra time? Well, maybe you can use that time to focus on some marketing or business development to help expand or grow your practice. Maybe you can use that time to do some administrative tasks, some things that tend to get pushed off, you know, billing, reconciling your bank accounts, you know, things like that, you know, uh, staff issues, you know, things like that that oftentimes get pushed down to the side because they're just really not uh, as urgent as other things. Maybe you take that time and you use it to go on vacation. Now you have less work that you do and you're making the same amount of money, now you have some time and you can go on a vacation and take some time off. Not Maybe you're not working as late in the evenings or on the weekends. You're able to spend time with your family and friends and, and do some of the things that you've been wanting to do now, still making the same amount of money, but you're doing less work and having more time for other things that are important in your life. Again, it doesn't take a lot of a really big increase in price, Um, but an increase in price can give you more money, can give you more time to do things, which I think, you know, obviously is going to make you happier, you know? And along that line, the last thing is that raising rates or having higher rates can help make your practice, you know, the practice of law easier and more enjoyable when you're dealing with clients. Because when you charge higher prices, when your rates are higher, you are positioning yourself as as a an expert or an authority in this field. If you think about your doctor that you go to, if you you know a lot of times specialists you know have charged tens thousands of dollars for for the work that they do, you know, and they can do that because they are seen as specialists as experts in the field of what they do. You can do the same thing in your law practice. When you position yourself, when you start charging those rates, people will start to think that you are an expert because that's the position that you're taking. You know, you are up there in price with those that are conceived by experts and authorities, by other people. And why do you want to be an expert or an authority? Well, the big one is that when you are kind of the expert, the go-to person, your clients are a lot less likely to be critical of the work that you do or to nitpick and second guess. So as an example, a story that, um, that I've, I've seen shared is a difference between uh, is, uh, clients who are getting a website. Okay. One client gets charged $5,000. 
and he respond, you know, and the um, the web developer sends the uh, fee proposal to the client, and for you know, and this one that says you know website five thousand dollars, and the client comes back and says, okay, you know that sounds reasonable. Um, you know what's included at this? Um, how fast are you going to have this done? What kind of turnaround do I do, are you looking? For, we're looking at here. Um, I was thinking about maybe doing it this way or that way. Is this something that could be done? Is this part of what's included or is this excluded? Is this extra? You know, all kinds of different feedback and different questions and things like that to go along as um, a response to this $5,000 proposal versus the web developer who sent a proposal for the same type of work for $50,000. And the client who's, who receives this, you know, the client looks at it and says, he looks at it and responds and says, sounds great, checks in the mail. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's a web developer example, but I think that's there, there's truth behind that the clients who pay higher vat prices who see more value in the work that they do that you do who perceive you as an expert or as an authority they don't really question your means your methods how you do things they're a lot easier to work with they just say all right sounds great just tell me what to do and they do it versus those clients who are paying less the low bono clients, those that are on discounts, those, those clients tend to be the ones that question everything, want to know why you're doing something, and second guess, is this the best way to do it or not? And I've run, again, I've run back into this problem with my experience as well, that the clients who pay more tend to be better clients. You know, they were less critical of the way things were done and for the most part kind of let me do my the, let me do my thing you know and basically their questions were just tell me what you need i mean a lot very easy and enjoyable to work with versus those where i know i undercharged and it was a hassle dealing with them because they were uh always calling always looking for information or wanting something or asking questions or um, you know, second guessing, well, is this really what we should be doing or should we do it this way? And it just wasn't as enjoyable a lot, you know, to be working with those type of clients. Um, you know, and again, nothing about against any of those clients, you know, that's just the experience that I had. And I think it's probably pretty consistent across the board that um, the clients who pay more like that are going to be easier to work with, um, you know, than those who are paying less just by the nature of that. And it all goes back to the investment levels and, and everything else too, that we can kind of talk about. So I think I've rambled, you know, I've rambled on here for, for enough time here. So let me wrap here by, with your uh, takeaway. Um, so the takeaway for today is simply that undercharging your clients is bad for both them and you charge what you're worth. And chances are good that if you think you're charging appropriately, you're still probably undercharging, so you might want to think about raising your rates. All right, thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you guys on the next episode.